Welcome to the Save Your Marriage podcast, dedicated to all the men and women out there who are going through marital problems and want to save their marriages. Here, we give you tools, perspectives, and insight into how to save your marriage and have a thriving marriage. This podcast is sponsored by The Fortified Spouse. And now, here's your host, Arturo Henriquez. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode. Thank you very much for listening. I just want to invite all the men and women out there to book a private, complimentary call with me. We will talk about your particular situation in private and give you lots of guidance and put you on the path to restoring and saving your marriage. Just go to www.fortifiedspouse.com forward slash call. That's C-A-L-L. Today, I want to tell you about some dead-end roads, some myths of how you can save your marriage that seem to float around from time to time. Now, some of them actually contain tiny bits of truth, but the approach that people use, the way they use these pieces, that's where we get into trouble. And so we want to talk about just a few of the myths. There are lots of them out there. Today, I want to talk about five of those myths, those core myths, just so you have some things to avoid some places you don't want to get stuck in. Because the process of this, the process of working on your relationship is so important that when you fall for one of these tactics or these myths, you end up creating more damage and you lose valuable time. Now, let me just explain why that is. Sometimes people kind of feel like maybe the best thing to do is you know, kind of like spaghetti, just throw it up against the wall and see what sticks. And when it sticks, you know it's the right thing. So you just keep on tossing it. The problem is along the way, it's a relationship and you're doing damage to it because what you're creating is doubt on the part of your spouse. You're creating confusion in the process and you're throwing disruptions into the relationship that don't make any sense. One of the things that seems to be the case is even while we know that not everything you hear is true, we still for what makes us think it's true. It's called confirmation bias. And so when we hear something we want to hear, it can trip us up. It can get us into trouble. And that's the problem. We've got to find some ways of making sure that in the process of saving your relationship and in the process of your attempts to save your relationship, you don't create more damage. So that raises the question of what this process looks like. How do you work through it? I suggest one of the things you do is make sure that part of what's happening for you is that your thinking is being challenged. If you find something that you go, oh, that's what I wanted to hear, well, just be a little cautious. And I would just suggest that in all of life, it doesn't mean it's not true. It just means that we want to make sure that we're not listening with confirmation bias. You know, we see it all the times in the news. Some, you know, something comes across maybe your feed on your social media, and it just speaks to you, and you know it's true, and so you repost it, only to find out that it's not true, that it actually came from some other crazy source, or you may not find it at all. You just keep believing it because it fits what you want to believe, which brings us kind of to my point, to that, you know, that part that we need to understand about this process of saving a marriage is that it does take a shift in your thinking. Thinking the way you've been thinking about your relationship. The way the two of you have been thinking about your relationship is how you got here 
and is not where you want to get to. Some people will say, can you just help me get back to where we were two months ago, six months ago, two years ago, six years ago, whenever it was that they identify as the time when everything was okay, as if things took a wrong turn. When what often happens is things just follow the course they were already on to their unfortunate logical conclusion. And so going back to where you were is only going to get you back to where you are. There has to be a shift, and the shift comes with challenges to it. And that's part of what we want to kind of look at. One of the things that people often stumble upon when they're looking for, you know, my the Fortified Spouse Program, let me just say, when you say, how do I save my marriage? I want you to understand that that doesn't all fit under one umbrella. And that's one of the things that I would just say to you. It's not that you look at an expert and you go, oh, okay, only their thing will save my marriage. For instance, our the Fortified Spouse Program, which is my program, is the only one you should do. That's not the case. I will point to you to a number of other places, places that can augment what you're learning from me. For instance, Gary Chapman's idea of love languages. Harville Hendricks and Helen Hunt, his wife, have created some masterful stuff. John Gottman, great resources. All of these are based in research. Not only that, but that these guys have experience. And here's the problem. A lot of times on the internet, people with no experience are popping up with ideas that you go, oh, that sounds like a good thing. And I've heard some crazy ideas over the years. So let's start with kind of the ground piece of that. If you see something that tells you that there is some psychological trick you can use to convince your spouse to stay, please avoid that. That's a myth. There is a myth that persists that you can use some psychological trick to trick your spouse into staying for the rest of your life. I mean, just kind of think through that for a minute. Some little thing, some way of saying something, some reverse psychology, for instance, is going to convince your spouse that's been unhappy and telling you they're going to leave and probably already gone through a lot of struggle around that, that they go, oh, well, that gets me to stay for the rest of my life. I mean, think about even the logic behind that. And yet it is said over and over, you just use this little reverse psychology trick and it will work and people believe that. And let me go one step further. And, and this is the one that people fall for over and over. And that is the no contact rule. The no contact rule is basically this, for the next 30 days, you have zero contact with this person. And it's going to drive them crazy. They're going to get so jealous and they're going to become begging back to you. You're using the no contact rule and a spouse who's been saying, I need space from this. I'm not happy with where we are. I don't want to be in connection with you. And so then you're going to disconnect under the assumption that somehow that's going to turn the tide. This is two pieces of the puzzle that I often get. People will come and use my fortified spouse program and they will begin to restore their relationship and they'll start to recreate the connection that's been missing or even create the connection that's never been there. And they're starting to get traction and are starting to move forward and everything's going well. And then suddenly throw in some psychological trick to which the other person says, you're just insulting me or they suddenly drop in a no contact thing, they're like, now I've got them, right? I've got a little contact. Now I'm going to have no contact for 30 days, probably five or six times every month. I hear from somebody who says, I just ruined it. And I keep saying this, please don't do that. No contact rule. 
So here's what basically happens. They do that. They work on my program. They're, they're getting connection. They're restoring and saving their marriage. And then they go to no contact, to which their spouse goes, you just ghosted me. So the last time it happened, this person called me and said, hey, I was using your program. I was getting some great results. And so I decided I needed to kind of raise the bar. So, so I did the no contact rule. And I'm thinking to myself, that was raising the bar? Gosh, it's, he's going to go from connection to zero connection, from healing the connection to destroying the connection. And what happened is at the end of the 30 days, on the 31st day, in fact, the divorce papers arrived. And when they contacted the spouse to say, hey, I thought things were improving, the spouse said, you've, you've had no contact in a month. I thought we were now on the same page. I'm a little confused on what happened at the beginning. But I do know now that you're on the same page with me that we need to end this. And so he contacted me because he was he had nothing else to do. He had no other program. And he had already tried ours and it had worked. So please, please do not do this. Avoid falling into the myth that there is some psychological trick that it's going to turn the tide for you that you can either use reverse psychology and trick them into staying for the rest of their lives, or that you can, you know, no contact your way into connection with your spouse. Just kind of think about that or any other psychological tricks that are out there that are the current trend, right? There's just no shortcut. There's no one-time technique. It's a marathon, not a sprint, guys. The second myth is much more of a theoretical myth for people. Over the years, I've had plenty of couples come to me and, and, you know, say we need to fix our communication. Help us fix our communication. And that's the myth. The problem with the marriage is somehow a communication issue. It's a communication problem. We can't communicate with each other. So teach us some tools of communication. Now, that is the prevalent myth, not just with people, but with therapists. Many times people come in and therapists immediately go into talking about communication skills. They teach high messages and they teach all kinds of communication skills because they think that's what's going to heal the relationship. The problem is this. Communication is a symptom. It is a symptom of an underlying issue. It's not that it's irrelevant. In fact, many times when I'm doing one-on-one -on -one coaching in the Fortified Spouse Program, I you know, we talk about communication skills because we do want to make sure that we are doing good communication, the healthy communication. When there's intent listening, there's understanding, there's appreciation, there's validation. But that's not the issue in a broken marriage. That's not the real problem. What does that mean? How is it not communication? If we're having problems communicating, how is it not communication? Well, it's a symptom of the underlying issues of disconnection. So I want you to think of communication a little bit differently. Think about communication as being like if you're building a house, you want to have a way of getting stuff into your house and out of your house, of getting water and waste in and out of your house. So you use pipes and the pipes, if it's connected up to a good source, brings, you know, brings in some good water and it takes away bad stuff. That's what pipes do in your house. It brings in stuff, takes stuff away. So let's just imagine for a minute that the pipes, all they're doing is a delivery device to your house. 
let's say you accidentally mess up the connection. And so when you turn on your faucet, you get sewer. It's still delivering something, right? It's just not delivering what you want. Well, communication is like that. It's just a delivery device. If I'm trying to communicate with you a certain way, all I'm doing is moving information back and forth. We communicate something we don't want to communicate. Sometimes we miscommunicate. So it's important that there be skills of communication. But many times people come into the program and say, I need to work on my communication. We're not communicating well, and that's why our marriage is in trouble. And as they tell me that, you know, the whole process begins to unravel because I'll sit and listen to them. And as they're talking to me, I understand everything they're telling me, every word they say. And I ask them, have you understood each other? Is there something where you missed each other? And so they agree that they've understood each other. And then they try to tell me that it's communication. It's the problem. They're not having a problem with communication. They have skills of communication. And the problem is, unless we work with the underlying issue of disconnection that's hurting the marriage, all I'm doing is teaching them to be more efficient in their arguments, to be more effective in their fighting. I'm giving them skills to take on each other in much more effective ways because communication as a delivery device has to have something behind it. So if you find yourself deciding that you need to fix your marriage by fixing your communication, recognize that it's kind of like doing, you know, I need to fix my flu by stopping the fever. It doesn't change the underlying infection. It doesn't change anything underneath it. It just treats the symptoms. All you're doing is lowering the symptom, not the cause. The virus is still there. Everything's still running around in your body. You just feel better because the fever drops a little bit. So we have to deal with the real issue. The real issue is disconnection. We have to get back to that. The third myth is that therapy will do it. My therapist can convince my spouse to work on the relationship. That's where it comes from. So here's the thing. No therapist has some magic technique to convince your spouse to work on a marriage. So what often happens is that a spouse begs and begs and begs, and finally somebody relents and goes to a therapist. And the spouse is hoping that the therapist uses some secret technique, some secret handshake or something to convince the spouse to work on their marriage. In the process, the spouse walks into the therapist's office, convinced that things can't go forward. And so they're there not to work on the relationship, but to have proof to convince everybody there's no way that this can be worked on. So the hopeful spouse is sitting there waiting for the therapist to do their magic and convince the person to work on things. The resistant spouse now has to double down and once again prove to everybody that this can't go forward. So they overstate things, but in overstating of something, they start to believe it a little more themselves. It's kind of like whenever we say something, maybe the first time we say, we're like, yeah, I'm really sure about this, but this is what I've heard. And we say it and we argue it a little bit and we convince ourselves a little bit more. So the next time we say it, we're a little bit more convinced, a little bit more convincing. And we try to prove it to everybody over and over and over. And the more we prove it, the more we say it, the more we believe it. It's part of why our culture is in such a state right now. 
because people are saying things in echo chambers and they don't have to think about it. They just plow forward and they double down. Same thing happens in a marriage. So here are a couple of things about therapy that you need to know. First of all, about 50% of people who go to therapy divorce, which is no different than the general population. So there's no better outcome. About 80 to 85%, some studies say even 90% say that nothing got better through therapy. So somewhere between 10 and 20% saw no improvement in the relationship through therapy. And yet it tends to be the first line of defense to get things going because somebody wants to save a relationship. And so they drag their spouse in, usually to an unprepared therapist who has no capacity of changing a spouse's mind, but can help them continue to double down on their belief that nothing can change. So now we have a resistant spouse, a therapist who may be doing marital therapy, but that's not in their training, using sometimes communication theory to try to improve communication. And then we have three strikes, you're out. So don't drag your spouse to a therapist believing that the therapist is going to convince the spouse that you need to work on your relationship. That's a myth. And this goes in line with myth number four. Some people therefore believe that if their spouse doesn't want to work on it, there's nothing you can do. And this is what I've been trying to change people's minds for a long time now, right? In our Fortified Spouse Program, we say it that one spouse can change a marriage, can save a marriage. So a lot of people say you can't save a marriage if a spouse doesn't want to. Are you forcing the spouse to stay there? My point is not that you can ultimately save a relationship by yourself, but that you can start the process by yourself and through the process and you changing and becoming a better version of yourself, working on the things that you need personal growth on, that that can ultimately influence your spouse to come back to the marriage. So this is a huge distinction. There are so many things you can do on your own without trying to convince your spouse, without trying to drag them into a therapist, without reusing reverse psychology, without trying to do the no contact rule. So many things you can do to improve the situation and turn the tide. When you begin to turn the tide, you get to the point where suddenly the momentum shifts. Have you ever done that thing where it's like a leverage thing? You put something and you're trying to leverage it. And at first, it's really, really hard. And then suddenly, the momentum begins to build and it flips over. Well, it's the same with this. Yes, it's a lot of hard work on the front side. Yes, it's a lot of hard work by an individual. But when you start getting some movement going, the other person often joins in because they see things are getting better. And that's the thing. You on your own can do great things to turn things around. Now, here's the thing. If your spouse is participating, not much can get in the way of improving your relationship. That's the beauty of it. But it's if you're, if you're by yourself, that doesn't mean there's nothing you can do. So people come up to me and they often say, well, it takes two to tango. That is very true. It takes two to tango. It takes one to start the dance. It takes one to invite the spouse in. It takes one to start the tango. So part of what you're trying to do is find some ways of starting that process. So yes, 
I just said that the psychological tricks won't work and communication skills aren't going to fix it. And no, your therapist can't fix it. Now, if you fall into this one, that if your spouse doesn't work on it, there's nothing you could do if your spouse doesn't want it. That's where I'm suggesting that there is something you can do. There are ways you can work on improving things. But here's the other myth I want to talk about. Don't think that your way through this is a grand gesture. I see that very often there are some things you by yourself can do, even if your spouse is resistant, even if your spouse isn't sure that they want to continue with the marriage. And so the danger is, so you go, okay, then I'm going to step in and do this grand gesture. We're going to go on this big, huge cruise. I'm going to bring in the big jewelry or buy the new car or buy the big house or have a baby or get a new dog or whatever it is that you think is that grand gesture that will unlock it for your spouse. Now, very rarely is that grand gesture what's in the way. What you're trying to do is show your love. I understand that. But your way of doing that in this grand gesture is not likely to get the result you want. In fact, what it does instead is it creates pressure on your spouse. And your spouse goes, I can't do it. Now, I've got all this pressure on me. And I was already saying I didn't want this. And now I just can't do it at all. And so a grand gesture often backfires instead of it leading to more connection, leading to more possibility, it often leads to less connection, more resentment, more alienation, and more on the spouse to once again establish that they don't think the marriage can be saved. In the process of a grand gesture, you've actually caused your spouse to re-emphasize, to reiterate, to double down on the fact that they don't believe anything can be done to save the marriage. That's the problem with the grand gesture. So those are the myths that you need to be aware of as you're thinking through. First, don't use psychological tricks. It's a myth that that will work. Second, don't think communication and fixing communication will solve it. It's a myth that communication is your issue. Third, don't believe that your therapist has some secret formula to convince your spouse to work on it. All that will happen if you drag your resistant spouse is they will become more resistant But if your spouse is ready to save the marriage, therapy can work. Seminars can work. Programs can work. But if they're resistant, that will backfire, which leads to number four. That doesn't mean there's nothing you can do. But number five, don't make it a grand gesture as your approach. So I just left you with the five myths, right? But now what? Well, that's when we work on connection. And just to be honest, that is the root cause. Disconnection is the biggest cause in marital problems. It shows itself in a lot of different ways. People will say, no, we had infidelity. Well, that's a symptom of disconnection. No, no, there's so much anger and frustration. Well, that's a result of disconnection. And so they keep throwing out symptoms and they are playing what I call, you know, whack-a-mole. The next symptom pops up and you hit it. The next one pops up and you hit it thinking that you're dealing with the problems and you're only dealing with the symptoms. Underlying issue is disconnection. The other thing is stagnation. The fact is that probably both of you had not been growing in ways that you need to, both in the relationship and individually. So you have to work on that too. And the other factor, and this is what wraps it all together, 
is you didn't even know what kind of relationship you were trying to build. You're trying to create a we. Nobody told you that. So what you're trying to do is deal with the disconnection as you're both growing, or at least you start the process of growing and expanding and unstagnating while you're building the we that will carry you through the rest of your life. Thank you for listening. Now, I want to introduce you to the Fortified Spouse Program that has helped thousands of women and men just like you save their marriages with an 85% success rate. It is based on four fundamental pillars. One, gain the tools to reconnect with your spouse. Two, understand the differences between men and women so we can appreciate and be more empathetic with our spouse. Three, learn how to gain inner confidence so we are no longer codependent on our spouse. And four, deal with our insecurities and triggers so we are more emotionally in control and not as easily triggered. If you're interested in learning more about these tools to immediately stabilize the marriage and postpone and delay the divorce or separation or win your spouse back from an affair, then go to www.fortifiedspouse.com and enroll in the program. It is going to change your life. It is going to make you the best version of you, and it has the highest probability of saving your marriage. You have been listening to the Save Your Marriage podcast for men and women. For further information, visit The Fortified Spouse at www.fortifiedspouse.com. Thank you.